0: Tonight I'm really looking forward to it. I'm gonna just get, tell you a little of what I'm gonna do. I uh, I'm gonna be taking us through the ancient tabernacle of of Moses. God God had Moses create this this place of worship. It was kind of it was a portable worship center that they took throughout the wilderness, which eventually was transformed into the temple. And it was, it's a very very powerful. Uh, uh, it's it just a very powerful presence that was there, and and several years ago I decided to make myself a student of it, and so I, I actually became a student of I guess you'd call it the, the tabernacle, and uh, and and I'm going to share some of those things with you tonight about about what it means to get into God's presence and what's in the Old Testament is exactly what, is what we do in the New Testament. It really is. Those are all types and shadows. It's very, very powerful because I want you to see and know how you can move right into the presence of God and be very close to the powerful Almighty God. So that is tonight at, at uh, 6 o'clock for City Life Night, a time of worship and preaching and, and ministry. We do this maybe uh, two, maybe three times a year, but it's a special time for us that we do this. Also, while uh, while you're, you're getting your notes and your Bibles out, I just want to say thank you to those of you who came and helped out with the Project Day yesterday. Elizabeth Haberman, Andres Acuna, Jake Nunn, Adrian Garza, Ian Woody, DJ Bell, Cindy Hollingsworth, Stephanie G. Joy Hodgen, Anthony Miller, Bryce Petters, uh, Hunter Pettenjohn, Pam Jarvis, all of you guys, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. The place looks great. We do this uh, about five times a year. Just come to come together on a Saturday for about three or four hours, and just do a lot of deep cleaning and, clean and just fixing things up. So thank you. It feels fresher here today because of you. Appreciate you guys so much. All right, go ahead and get your Bibles open to two locations: Joel chapter two, verse twenty-eight, and Philippians chapter two, verse two. Joel 2, 28, Philippians two two, and we'll leave that up there for a couple minutes so that you can. See that because I want you to find your places in the Bible. Go ahead and get your notes out because I want you to write a few things down here today as well. Uh, I, I, I'm wrapping up a series today about, uh, about what I call the glorious church. And see, Jesus Christ, Jesus. He died for us. He died for us so that we will be a glorious church. In fact, Jesus is coming in the clouds, and I believe that is very soon. He's coming in the clouds, and he's going to take his church with him. But what he's, the Scripture says he will be looking for is a glorious church. I'm talking about that again today. Uh, and, and, and a glorious church is really a church that doesn't look like the world. It doesn't look like the world's culture. So today, again, I'm going to be contrasting the culture of the world and the culture of the church because I'm challenging you to step out of the culture of the world and, and, and operate and function within the culture of the glorious church that God has called us to be. So the, the title of my message today, they've already got it up. They beat me to it. The Glorious Church, and it's part four, which is uh, the, the key term, presence. My dad passed away back in, uh, back in January, and and. Uh, and Over the past few years, I started asking my dad to write more things down, and and to just to I just wanted more and more of his memoirs and more of his stories, and 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 I I was I was so blessed to be able to collect so much of that. But one of the things that my dad wrote down for for us was was about his church experiences when he was a child, when he was a child growing up, and and uh, he he grew up in the impoverished area of the Smoky Mountains in the Appalachian Range in North Carolina. And and he, he he, so much of his younger years were motivated by the powerful faith of his dad and the powerful faith of his mom. And, uh, and, my, and my, my grandfather, Hosea Woody, he passed away when I was in high school, but he was a man of faith. He, was, he loved to sing and loved to worship God. He loved the church. And, and I, I tell you, he was, he was an amazing man. I couldn't imagine. How, I, I just, I've always imagined what it would have been like to be in his household. But that was back in the days when they had a lot of kids. I mean, you'd have like a dozen kids. And so you've got enough to take care of stuff around the house and around the property that's the way it was my dad was the oldest of the kids growing up and uh, and but dad said that that from his earliest recollection church was always a cornerstone of their life and of their family and it was just part of their life he, I mean, he said it wasn't something that was elective it wasn't something that we thought well is it part of us or not no it just was uh, Dad said that, that they would get up super early on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings were the early, early, early time they would get up, and then they would start walking to church. They had no automobile, so they walked to church, and Dad said that it was somewhere between a two to a three-hour walk to church every Sunday. And he said it didn't matter what the weather was. I, uh, I, I, I charted this out. <laughs> From, for me to drive from my house to this building right here is 8.2 miles. And, uh, and, and it takes me 13 to 14 minutes to drive here. Pretty easy. It's, it's not bad at all. Uh, but I, 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 I got out the Google Maps thing. and I said, I wonder what, how long it would take me to walk from my house to the church. And it came up 2 hours, 45 minutes. I've not yet tried it. I've not, yet to, I've not attempted it yet. But come to think that my dad as a kid would do that, basically that same thing, 245 from his house to the church and then from the church back home with his family. Uh, that's amazing. D- Dad said he didn't really remember any of the sermons. Poor pastor, you know, he worked on those sermons. Nobody remembers. Nobody remembers your sermons anyway. I just, I, I, I've come to, to accept that about life. But and maybe a few bits and pieces here and there. But, but really it's about continually building us up. But what what my dad says he does remember was what he felt when he was there. Because there was this shared experience of the people of God coming together. Dad, in his memoirs, he he wrote that there was robust singing and there was dancing and this intense prayer. And And he said it was unexplainable joy. Unexplainable joy. I mean, it's the depression. They're all in poverty. Half of them, most of them don't even have an automobile. But it was just joy in the presence of God. And, and, and he, said, he also said, the other thing he remembers is there was a very deep connection with the other churchgoers. It was that little Baptist church up there in the great Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. Dad has incredible memories from that place. According to him, he said, which, which I know is a part of our history, is that they would spend all day at church. So they would go to church in the morning and then they would stay there and they would eat together and they would have another service in the end of the evening and, and then they would go home. They would all go home at the end of the day. Uh, but Dad said that that when he left church, he said he always felt different when before coming. Because going, there was the oh, I gotta get there, we gotta do this, we gotta get there. But but he said, going home, he said he just would stand taller. He would feel empowered. He just felt stronger, he said. And, and and dad Dad said that that as he would go home, actually we're not ready for that slide yet. Let's just let's just wait wait on the slides here, okay? Um he said he said as as he was going home, they the the, the, the walk back was very long, but he said it was worth it because for some reason going home, even though he was many times going home in the dark, he said he, he just felt very safe and secure. Uh, walking back from home after church. He said that as the oldest, he had a responsibility to help watch out for the family. And his mom and his dad would carry some of the younger children, and and he would be responsible to be out in front. He would have his kerosene lantern. My, we grew up with kerosene lanterns around my house, but we never lit them. I always wanted one. My parents said, stay away from those. And I can tell you stories of how those things cause fires. But, uh, yeah, I, I still... Would kind, of, it would kind of be fun to have one. But my dad, but my dad was, he said when he was five years old, he would carry a kerosene lantern out there in the woods, down these dirt roads, and he he told, he told explained how he would keep a knife, and he would keep a hatchet with him, and he would, part of his job was to watch for snakes ahead of the family, because it was so dark. No street lights. You know, just out there watching for snakes. And he said he killed quite a few copperheads and water moccasins and rattlesnakes up there in those mountains, just prepare. The way, and I, I think it's really interesting because those those experiences shaped my dad's life. My dad eventually, later on, became a pastor when he was about thirty years old, and and uh, and he continued to, in many ways, clear the path for people and get rid of the snakes and create these atmospheres where the presence of the Holy Spirit was strong. I, I remember Dad saying to me, he says, "I will never settle for an anemic church." I'll never settle for an anemic church. I don't want a church that's void of the presence of God. And neither do I. Neither do I. See, my dad knew that the world's culture could never offer what the church could offer. So I want to talk to you today and about this value that we have around here called presence. And, and I don't want to bore you with 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 verbiage but I want you to see this because this isn't boring this is, this is heartfelt and this, this makes my heart uh, beat fast I guess you could say but one of our four core values is this one the value of presence presence and I'm going to read through this and I want you to read this with me on the screens we highly value the presence of God but we do it while striving to walk in unity and harmony with one another let's keep going we know that without the presence of God, we are wasting our efforts. Did you catch that? Therefore, we call upon the Holy Spirit to be present and active both in our lives and in our gatherings, knowing that God blesses certain settings with his glory, and he does. There are certain places, certain times, certain settings God looks for to pour his spirit out, his glory, his presence. So knowing that God blesses certain settings with his glory, we choose to embrace one another. Because that's actually fundamental to this. Now now I'll pause here for just a second. So sometimes there are a lot of people who will pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and pray for God to do something wonderful for his presence to be manifest. But, but in their churches, there's strife and there's division. There's hatred. There's anger. There's people are not taking care of each other. There's, there are different stratas of who's most important and who's least important. And, and what that ends up doing is God's presence is not there. And they wonder why the presence of God isn't there. And I'm going to talk about that today, all right? Because God blesses certain places, certain atmospheres with his glory. And I'm telling you guys, we can come and sing our hearts out and pray our hearts out tonight. But 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 unless our hearts are woven towards each other as well we're not going to see the things we want to see and we're not going to experience the things we want to experience. Let me keep going on. It says, we celebrate diversity, where people can belong, regardless of age, ethnicity, culture, or background. We honor one another without merit, choosing to believe the best about one another, being slow to speak, quick to listen, and eager to serve. We choose to be united in our hearts and spirits, assure that no force in hell can tear a unified body apart. We choose to stand with one another through both the joy And the sorrows of life, as well as through successes and failures. That's who we are, and that is who we are becoming. I want this to be part of God's glorious church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27 tells us that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. And it's part of the, 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 the anointing or part of the calling of pastors and leaders to, to, to release us into this and to, and, to, and to lead us into this. That word glorious, uh, this last time I'm going to share this with you, this, this term glorious is this indexus. That's what, that's what the Greek term means. And it means glorious, radiant, gorgeous, honorable, esteemed, splendid, illustrious. It means to be clothed in glory. That's what God's looking for. That's what the church is going to look like. Are we there yet as a church worldwide? I don't think we're there yet, but we're getting close. We're getting close, and I want it, and I crave it, and I desire it. Now, see, what I just described is not a church that blends into the culture. Now, please understand this. We live in the world. And we are going to, and I, I am all about living on your cultural streets and you're making a difference where you are. I'm all about that. You, I do not call, tell us that we need to be separate from the culture. We need to be in the middle of the culture, very, very active, okay? But, but at the same time, we are not of the culture of the world. You see, we look and we act and we think and we talk and we speak and we behave different than the culture of the world. See, see... The enemy, he always creates things in the world's culture that kind of looks or maybe even sounds like God's kingdom. Yeah. Kind of like oh that, that sounds good, that, that looks good. But what he does is, is the enemy twists and manipulates to deceive people. Just to pause for just a second right here, one of the things that has just been released, this is just, this is new <laughs> hot news, is that one year, a year and a half ago, twi- uh, 19 of the 20 most popular Facebook pages for Christians were not being led by Christians. They were being led by people in some other nations that were actually stirring up and putting out junk to try to beat down the body of Christ, to make the body of Christ fight, to make them hate each other, to make each other call each other. Well, you sang that song in that church. I don't like that song. I don't like that preacher. I don't like. And they started this stuff. And I'm telling you, 19 of the 20 biggest Facebook pages were designed by people who are not Christians that were trying to stir stuff up. This is all fact. It all just came out in Relevant Magazine this this last week. Incredible. 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 The enemy will use anything to try to make it look good. But I'm telling you guys, we need to be people of discernment and we need to be people of the Word. That's why over these past several months I've been teaching you, in fact, through the 10 12 series, how to study the Word of God. I want you to be in the Word. I want you to know the Word. I want you to be discerning of what is good and what is evil because the evil will mask itself as, as good quite often. Things look like God's kingdom, but something's just a little bit off. I, I, I go and work out at, at a local gym. And one of the things I like to do after, after I work out is I like to go sit in the sauna for about 20 minutes and just sweat. And it's just, ah, makes me feel good. I know some of you are, you think I'm crazy, but you know what? And here in a few weeks, you're going to be wearing sweaters. I don't know why a person wants to wear a sweater to make themselves sweat. But uh, anyway, but, but it will, you know, it's, it's just a place where you're just going, it's just quiet. Everybody minds their own business. It's just quiet, and just some dude's just sitting there, and nobody cares. It's just, like, quiet. Well, this person comes through the door and uh, beside him. now, he wasn't, like, working out or anything like that. It was just weird. He comes up growling and stuff, and, and he was mumbling. He was just mumbling this stuff. And, and then, then he goes and he, he sits down in this lotus position and starts doing some stuff. And, and then he said, God, kill them. Kill them all. Kill them all, God. Ah. This isn't a sauna, guys. Everybody else was sitting there just kind of staring straight ahead. I'm like, all right. I'm kind of looking at the dude. And he goes, God, kill the racists. Kill them all. I said, so, okay, dude, stop. I don't know who you are. I did this, guys. I did this. I did this. Sorry. I'm not sorry. I did it. I don't know who you are, but my God does not kill the racists. You know what? We love everyone. You love racists? Yeah. And I love liars. And I love adulterers. You know what? I love them all. I sure do. He said, my God will kill them. I said, growling. Okay. Okay. All right, dude. I know what I'm dealing with here. I'm dealing with some demonic stuff. So I just start praying in the spirit. And I said, "Well, you're not praying to my God. You're praying to the, to a false god." He goes, "I'm praying to my resurrected God." I said, "Oh, Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. I hate the Bible." Okay. And I'm telling you, the other guys in the sauna are sitting there facing straight ahead. <laughs> I mean, people are sweating like they've never sweat before. At this point, I am down and I'm walking in the sauna. And I'm talking. I'm just going, listen, guy. Listen, sir. No, 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 no. That's, you are not praying to my God. I, and, and, so he, and I just said, you need to stop that. You need to stop that. You, if you're going to pray to your false god, you need to pray quietly. Because this, this is not your place to pray. I can do what I want. It's a free country. Not in here. Keep your mouth shut. So what I, I did, I, I really did this. I, I really did. Yeah, you, you, you know me, Rebecca. Sometimes, some of y'all are like that. You're just like, okay, I'm just going to deal with this. And I, 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 try and I try to be, and then usually, I'm serious. When I'm in the community, I really try to be gentle and nice and, and, I, and, and amiable. Sometimes you just got to say, this is ridiculous. Who in the world, what, what is good about this? Killing people? And so, I thought, well... <laughs> I, I wanna, I'm going to keep praying in the spirit. I said, I said, keep your mouth shut. He goes, okay, I'll keep my mouth shut. I said, good. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in the spirit. So I, I just went, I was like, okay. Um, you know what? I mean, usually guys aren't sitting like right next to each other in the sauna, but I'm going to go sit right next to this guy. <laughs> I did. I did. If you knew the other guys in there, they would tell you that happened. I went right over there. I said, well, I'm going to come sit right beside you. And I did it. Not to intimidate him, but I know that I carry the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so what I did is I just sat by him praying. I was like, God, this is evil. This is foul spirit. This guy's in bondage. God, you got to loose him. you got to set him free. And he sat there for a minute, and he started shaking. And he says, I can't. There's no peace in here anymore. And storms out. And I'm like, well, Actually. <laughs> If that if that's what it came to, I mean, I really wasn't want, looking forward to driving out demons or anything like that. But it, but it was it, it, he. But you see, at some point, you got to take a stand. Now, as you guys know, I am not one to get up and make loud, be loud and boisterous in the community against this and against that. Um, but sometimes Christians, we got to stand up for stuff. We got to stand up for the, the church has been quiet too long. God is looking for a glorious church. Think of it this way. If you're the bride of Christ, and you go, and there's someone is speaking harsh, negative stuff about your spouse, would you just kind of let it go? No. You wouldn't let it go. You'd deal with it. If you're married, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's kind of interesting because by by the end of this time, uh the guy, the guy starts to leave. And then, then this other guy in, the, in there, he goes, well, I just want to share the word of God. He starts quoting scriptures and scriptures and scriptures. And he said, isn't it great to be persecuted for righteousness sake? I'm like, well, I, I didn't even know. This. I didn't know there were any you know, other Christians in the room. But, uh, but I, I didn't even see myself even being persecuted for righteousness sake. I was just, I'm, I'm just going to put my foot down. No, you're not going to pray to your demon gods in here, not, not around me. And that's just, that's just not going to work. And, and I tell you, This is a time where we need to look at some things in our culture, and most often we need to do it in a gentle, amiable uh, way in the community. Most of the time we do. But our culture is confused because there are things that even a lot of Christians have embraced, not realizing that it's actually not biblical at all. And without going into deep detail on everything, a lot of this actually plays out in this uh, and this core value of ours that's called presence. Um, for example, terminology that sounds like what we should be using all the time. Uh, equality, fairness, my own truth, and tolerance. and those words all sound good to us. They, they do. They sound good to us, but and it's because we hear them continually in our culture. And, and, but, but I'm telling you, none of those things that I just listed are kingdom principles. Did you know that? None of them. None of them. See, the culture screams, equality! But you know what? There is no equality in heaven. We will all be judged according to our works, and, and you, we will receive different levels of rewards, and it will be different in heaven. There is no equality in heaven. And, uh, see, God is a God of equity. He's a God of equity. Therefore, if he's a God of equity, we must be a people of equity. We must be there with each other and, and build each other up, but understanding each person is responsible for their own destiny. The culture screams, fairness, you must be fair, you must be fair. But God is not fair. Now, God is just, but he's not fair. Look at all of the look at the parable of, uh, of the talents is a good one. Was he fair there? Oh, take it from that one and give it to that one because he's gonna do more with it. That's not fair. God, that's not fair. Why did you do that to me? No, God, God is a God of justice. God is a just God. And if God is a just God, the church should be a just church. We should be just people. We should be all about justice, all about the right thing. The culture screams, I create my own truth. Well, you can't because the scripture says Jesus Christ is truth. Jesus Christ is truth truth and God speaks the truth in love and therefore as the people of God we are in love with truth Jesus Christ and we speak the truth in love even and God speaks truth even if it hurts our feelings doesn't he and we have to do that as well we're more worried about feelings than people actually going into eternity my friends the culture screams tolerance, 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 and so therefore that, what that means is we should all be able to live without boundaries and nobody should say anything about it. But I, the kingdom of God is different. God created boundaries, and those boundaries are so that we will not tolerate, and well, He will not tolerate evil and wickedness. So He doesn't put up with that. What we do is we must understand as well there are, there are boundaries in which we must live and we're going to abide within those boundaries. The culture screams, let's all be inclusive. Like, inclusivity is what we want. And that sounds nice, but, but it's inclusivity on people's own terms. And it dilutes the values of other people and it just results in divisiveness and blandness and there's nothing of any life. And I don't want any of you guys to get scared that I'm teaching you something new here. I'm just teaching the, the Word, the Word of God, the Bible, because this is all balanced by this statement that I have here for you. See, the culture of the world, and actually, please understand, I'm very active within the culture of this local community. But the culture of this world is all about division and intimidation. And we're seeing it all the time. You know it is, but it seems to be worse than ever. It really is worse than I've ever seen it. Uh, Republican versus Democrat. Now it's vaccinated against the unvaccinated. And ethnicities posturing themselves against one another. There's nothing glorious about that when it gets into the church. Come on, let me say it again. There's nothing glorious about that when it gets into the church. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church and it starts here and it starts now. Let's take a look at this at this statement again. I want to I want to take you through it because I want to show you how this is different from the culture. Our core value is this core value is called presence where we highly value the presence of God, striving to walk in unity and harmony with one another. You see, without the presence of God, we're just we have just become another nonprofit. N- nonprofits are great, But we're not just another nonprofit. We are the church of the living God. And a huge part of what opens the door for God to pour his presence into this group of people is how we function and how we treat each other. See, God pours his spirit out in settings like this. And I desire the presence of God. The statement goes on to say, We know that without the presence of God, we're wasting our efforts. Therefore, we call upon the Holy Spirit to be present and active both in our lives and in our gatherings. Now, I'll tell you this, prayer and worship is critical in your private life as well as within this corporate body. Tonight I'm going to be actually talking a lot more about the lifestyle of worship and, and the act of corporate worship and what this means is uh, the, about the the power of united prayers. We talk about the tabernacle and the articles of furniture and what they represent for us as under the new covenant. But around here we call on the Holy Spirit early on Sunday mornings when the staff gathers together. Everybody brings a faith declaration of what they're expecting, what they're believing God to do in the church. This morning the team came and we we declared by faith. I believe this is going to happen. And this is going to happen and this is going to happen and so we pray and we pray we pray it through we worship god and we pray we don't start doing any work until we prayed. i love that about our team i love that about your leaders and we inspire each other and we believe for each other so that what god can do even this evening is you know healings and miracles and breakthroughs now as well i'll tell you what your leaders in this church the elders and the pastors in this church we crave the presence of god in fact, one of the things we do around here I, uh, is, is before we just we started this several months ago. as as things were just so, so difficult uh, with our, with our, just, just with with the COVID stuff and everything, we thought, man, we just need to amp up our prayer a little bit more. So now we do the, the, the pre-service, we call it pre-service congregational prayer. And when you are here five minutes early, which I encourage you to do, someone comes up here and leads us in prayer and they, they, and they put together a prayer list of things and they're given the autonomy to put together this prayer list and pray for things and pray for people so that, so that before we even start we're already calling on God we call on God we call on God more on all that tonight but this goes on to say this knowing that God blesses certain settings with his glory we choose to embrace one another now here's how we do it there are four ways we do it the first one is this we celebrate diversity where people can belong regardless of age, ethnicity, culture, or background I am all into that Joel 2.28 is where I want you to go to right now Get it. Hold it here for just a second. While you're getting that, uh, I, one of the things I, I was honored to be able to participate in, I was the uh, city council from Fort Worth had asked me to be a part of the task force for racing culture, T- and and it, it was part of our obligation to look into the community, find out where there are problems, and 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 come up with p- uh, potential solutions and offer it back to the city. Uh, but, but I'm telling you guys. It w- what was started out as a six-month project ended up going 18 months, which is fine with me. I'm, I was part of the reason for that because I said, we're not doing enough. <laughs> there, there's more to do. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> even in those settings, I saw things that just made my heart just go, no, this is divisiveness. This is making it worse. For example, one of the co-chairs, as we, were, as we had called in some owners of local businesses right here in the downtown area, some owners of local businesses to come and to talk about the, you know, s- some of the stuff they had ex- experienced at the door, uh, the, one of the co-chairs started getting angry at a business owner. It's like that was not the job of the, of the task force. The task force was not supposed to try to get on to people and create rules for people. That was not its purpose. One of the co-chairs just started attacking a person, saying, you don't let enough of this and of this ethnicity. He goes, what am I supposed to do? Check people's ethnicity at the door and compare it to the the population of the city and keep people out unless we have it? He goes, yes, that is the good idea. And that's what every church and every business in the city needs to do. You need to know what the proportions are. You need to know what those are. And if people come in and there are too many people of one proportion, you keep them out. And I was like, hold on. Okay, you guys can go back and look on the archives on it. Hold on hold on, time out, this is not our job to tell business owners what to do. And you got a co-chair up here. That's going to cause, that, would, that kind of thinking causes division. Now, at first glance, a lot of people were going, oh, some of the people are going, ooh, that's a good idea. No, it's not. Be discerning. Be thoughtful. That causes division. That causes hostility. That just creates more problems. What we do is we do things according to Joel 2.28 because God already set things up for us. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, I love this, in the Old Covenant, uh, there, there was, it, it was different. There were only a few people, the priests, who got to do the holy thing. Experience the presence of God, and and, uh, and 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 God's presence actually dwelt in a location, which again we'll talk about that tonight. It was the most holy place that was in the tabernacle or the temple, and occasionally God would let His Spirit rest up on certain people, uh, but those were only just very. Uh, very seldom instances throughout the, the Old Testament. And uh, God only revealed a few things to people. But Joel 2.28 says that when there, that there's going to be a time that comes when all of this changes, and we're in that season now. Look at this. Joel 2.28 says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say all people, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. All people means all people. That, I, that, that terminology means all flesh, all mankind, all humanity. And I love it because sons and daughters, <laughs> it says basically that what that means is god is no respecter of your gender he is no respecter of your gender he's not looking at that all people all people that means god is no respecter of ethnicities he says you are blessed you are blessed you are blessed we are all blessed let's lock arms and let's move forward that's the kingdom of god says your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Just if you ever get that confused, who dreams the dreams, who sees the visions. Remember, old men are tired, so they're dreaming the dreams. Young men are awake, so they're seeing the visions. Okay, But, but what we see here is God is no respecter of age. He's not looking, well, you have to be a certain age to to experience my glory, to walk in my power, to be a a thriving part. No, he's no respecter of that. Okay, keep looking. It says, even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What does that mean? Well, of course, we, we see again that God is not concerned about the gender. He's not concerned about that. And he's not concerned about your socioeconomic status. The poorest of the poor and the wealthiest of the wealthy can sit and sit side by side and equally be conduits of the power of the Holy Spirit and functioning in the body of Christ and functioning in the community. I tell you, one of the biggest people who do outreach in this community sits right back there in the corner, Jack. Jack, you've been a part of this church since the very beginning. You have two cents in the offering every day, and you were on the streets, and this church helped get you off the streets, and we still love you, and we bless you, and we honor you. And I know what you're doing in the community. I know how you're witnessing to, to what you call your brothers and sisters, which are the other homeless in the, in the community. God bless you for that. And you know what? God's spirit is upon you, and God doesn't look and say, well, because he does, he's not of the socioeconomic level of everyone else. He's lesser. No, you're greater. God says you'll be greater in the kingdom of heaven. And Jack, I've told you this before. I really hope you'll invite me over to your mansion, you know, in heaven. you have gonna have a big one. I know. I know where you live right now. That that is nothing. That is nothing. You have a big place. It's gonna be nice. It's gonna be nice. Joel 2:28. I I love that. So the differences that the world is always howling about makes no difference to God. Do you see that? The And they absolutely, positively must make no difference to us. See, a glorious church recognizes that and says, you know what? We're all blessed. We're all blessed. Look, it goes on to say this. We honor one another without merit, choosing to believe the best about one another, being slow to speak, quick to listen, and eager to serve. So around here, you're not just honored because of who you are or what you've done. You see, a church that opens itself up to the presence of God practices honor all the time. And you believe the best about each other. You're not going to think the worst or believe the worst. You're going to believe the best, and you're going to listen more than you talk, unless you're preaching. And then you, after you're done, then you, you listen. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, look at this. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. May we always have a culture of honor around here. And honor is significantly downplayed in our culture of today. The church must be different. So who do we honor? We honor every single person because every person in God's creation, I'm talking about the world now, every person in God's creation is an image bearer of God. So there's a certain level of honor we must bring to every person. But but it's also more clear that, that we see that the, the scriptures talk about honoring one another within the body of Christ, within the Christian circles, that there must be a heightened level of honor and care for each other. And I think that that is part of what prepares us for the very end, is that, that we are going to be so tight. We're going to be with one another, caring for one another. We're going to walk with each other, and it's going to be, it's, it's going to carry one another through very challenging times. But that's, that, you know, that, but it's just about honoring people. You know, when you see someone and if you're here in the south, you say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Don't try that up north because they get, they get confused. They think you're insulting them. But you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, sir. I stopped at Sonic the other day, and this boy came out, probably about 17 years old, and brought me my, my little burger, and I said, thank you, sir. He said, sir, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's who you are, honor, 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 respect, people, honor them, put them before yourself, respect and celebrate one another's unique gifts and, and talents and personalities and callings, when you see those things, call them out and say, that's beautiful about you, understand the challenges that other people are walking through, and, and simply appreciate the context other people are in, because everyone is not in the same context as you, and you may not think, think well, they need to act like me, they need to do things like me, no, they probably don't, because they have a very different context, and so we respect the context of other people, and we love them them I, th- I believe we should verbally uh, address the value of people on a regular basis you need to say it to them put it out on social media you're blessed i, I appreciate you even while just reading some names here at the beginning of the ser- of my sermon that's just just a little way where we can call out the good things that people are doing i i challenge you to use your gifts and your callings and your anointings and your talents and your possessions and your skills to serve and to protect other people in this church in this church <clears throat> and, and I also encourage you to begin to trust one another I know you do but trust each other when someone gives their word trust that they're going to follow through and if you give your word you're going to follow through that's honoring that's honor you're honoring and respecting when we do that take a look at this next part of the statement it says we choose to be united in our hearts and spirits assured that no force in hell can tear a unified body apart again the world is fragmented but the church must not be it must not be psalm 133 it says this behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together live together in unity you see that brothers unity for the lord commanded the blessing there, life forevermore see blessing is commanded by god where people function in unity now unity is not uniformity it doesn't mean we all look alike, act alike, talk alike. No. If you guys start showing up at church, dressing like me, fixing your hair like me, and buying glasses like me, then I'm gonna say you're weird. I, I'll just, I'll just tell you this Don't, don't do that. Don't do. That. You're weird. I just, I've told before. I said you sh- I shouldn't say weird up here. So that's just bizarre. Okay. <laughs> but it, and and it also, you know what? Unity doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. If we don't have to agree on everything. You see, when we think we have to agree with someone before we can be in unity with them, that's actually what causes division. Because you're never going to get there. How many of you are married and you agree with your spouse on everything? Well, Joel is coming to finish this message right now because yes, it, Joel Levana, I know y'all too well. That's, there, there's no way that that. Yeah. You what? When we're in unity, it opens itself up to the manifest presence of God. And take a look at this in that last statement. It says we choose. It's a choice to stand with one another through both the joys and the sorrows of life as well as through successes and failures. It's just this is love and care. And what it does is it transcends all of life's shifting situations because there are times when you're on the mountaintop and there are times when you're in the valley. Sometimes when you're sick and, and everything is destitute. Sometimes you're broke and other times you might be just, just rolling in the dough. It, it's, it's difficult to know where everybody is. But regardless of your situation, whether it's up or down, we will stick with one another. We will stick with you, Donna. You got to go back into your house now after being out for, what, eight months? Wow. Thank God. Thank God you're back home. But you know what? We're going to stick with one another, stand with one another. That's the glorious church. That's the glorious church. Now I want you to look in your Bibles at this last passage of Scripture. The scripture. Philippians chapter 2 verse 2. It's beautiful. Philippians 2.2. 2. Paul says this. He says, make my joy complete. He says, now he's talking to Christians here, okay? He's talking to Christians. He said, make my joy complete, church. By being like-minded. Not, not identical-minded, but like-minded. Having the same love. Same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, church, hear this, in humility value others in the church. He's talking to the church. Value others in your church that you're sitting next to above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And you can't do that unless you're in each other's lives. You gotta get in each other's lives and love each other. See there's no such thing as an autonomous Christian something else the culture of the world is trying to propagate right now is that christians can be autonomous they don't need the body of christ they can read the bible and pray and and like i don't i don't know what a person's eternal destiny is like i can't judge so but but i do know that that the scriptures say something very very different because a person who stands alone basically with no need to serve or no obligation to anyone how can they actually fulfill christianity See the calling to be a Christian by its very very definition means you are part of God's Christ body you are part of the, the church, the local church and every Christian must somehow every Christian must somehow be in fellowship with other believers and the scriptures instruct us to do so and that's how this stuff all plays out and the beauty of it the beauty of it is the local church then becomes this hodgepodge of all these people who are so different. and eh, I wish you could see yourselves from where I'm standing right here. Y'all are different. And there's no gathering, no place on this earth that's going to pull people together like that except the local church, the body of Christ. And we don't have to take a little clicker at the door to make sure a certain number of people come in of certain groups. No. What we do is we just simply love oh. each other. Love each other. Do you know that six of the Ten Commandments are directed toward how we treat each other? Our relationships with each other? God desires his people to love each other And to meet together To encourage each other And to love This is actually what makes us unique This is part of what makes us a glorious church This opens us up to the presence of God among us The local church, my friend, is the hope of the world Because the local church stewards the only message That will impact people for eternity You hear me? Again, a lot of great organizations. I love my city. I love my community. A lot of great organizations and, and businesses in this community and government institutions. But I'm, I'm also wanting to be really clear with you. The church is the only one that offers hope for eternity. And repeatedly throughout the history of mankind, the history of the world over and over and over, this has come to be the truth the church is the only one that's going to nurture and train and commission people and send them out into their communities and around the world to make a difference and here what we call it it's our cultural streets but but the church is made up of individual building blocks it's not the institution it's not the building it's not the organization the the church has individual building blocks and that's you and me these are individual followers of Jesus Christ so we have to work on ourselves that's all I'm challenging you to do is work on yourselves. That's what I've shared, shared with you today. Let God speak to you. Work on yourself. And, and then another thing, you know, when you do look at yourself, you know as well as I do, you see imperfection. You see imperfection, yep. I, 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 I got up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and I saw imperfection. I thought of it was sometimes, like, man, I'm so messed up sometimes. And Rebecca says, I know. Man, I love, I No, she doesn't, she but we're all imperfect. Therefore, the church is imperfect. The church is imperfect. But you know what? God doesn't say He's coming back for a perfect church. He's coming back for a glorious church. That's a church that's filled with the glory of God. That's where we love each other radically, Elizabeth. Radically. You're standing here because of radical love. You are loved in this place. I don't care what the devil has tried to do to you. I don't care. It's like he's a loser. You're a winner. You're a winner. And that man married a winner. I tell you, you, you the, like the, the devil made me mad when I saw him trying to trying to destroy her life. He just didn't Rebecca. Didn't he just make us mad? We were like, uh-uh, not 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 our friend Elizabeth. In Jesus name. And we didn't realize we were praying for, like, TJ, look at that. And God's restored. But but I'm, I'm telling you, God hasn't called us to perfection. He's called us to be full of his glory. And we all must individually be doing so as well. And it's all because of his son, Jesus Christ. Because we are in Christ. And so when God looks at the church, he doesn't see imperfection. He sees his son. He sees the beauty of his son. I love the local church, and I want us to differentiate ourselves from the culture, not separate, but be active, loving people, being a part of the success of your local community, being salt and light, but to be salt and light means you've got to shed some light on some things, like that instance in the sauna, and I have never done that before, and I hope I never have to do that again. I was salty I was but you know what God has called us God has called us and we're going to love each other and we're going to be bearers of his glory i like every head to be bowed and eyes closed for just one moment I want you to look inside your own life examine yourself and if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life I want you to, I want to challenge you today to make the decision to follow him I want to challenge you to make the decision to follow Jesus today let him free you of bondage. Let him wash your sin away. Let him set you free in Jesus' name. If that's you here today, with no one looking around, what I want to do is I want to connect my faith with you. So when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And when you lift your hand, you're letting me know that you want me to include you in this prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To count of three, lift your hand if you want to receive Jesus. One, two, three. Lift your hand up for me. Thank you thank you. Put your hands down. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. Church, congregation, pray with me as well. If you're you're saved already, just pray it as a reaffirmation of your faith and as an encouragement to those who are praying this. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I give my life to you. I surrender myself to you. Pour your spirit into my life as you wash me with your precious blood. Today I make the choice to serve you and to press forward and to not look back. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like everyone to stand because I want to pray a final blessing over everybody. I want to pray for you before we close. Just receive this prayer, God. I I pray blessing over every man. child, every person who's hearing my voice, every person who's in this room, I pray for a release of your glory, of your presence in them, among them. God, I pray that we will truly be the light bearers, that we will shine brightly the glory of God, that it will be beautiful and that we will love one another without merit. We're not going to hold things against one another. We're not going to build up walls. We're going to tear walls down. We're going to help pull our brothers and sisters up. We're going to be a strong and mighty church. We're going to be a glorious church. So God, let it be. Let it be right here among us. Let it be at City Life Church. Let it be in downtown Fort Worth. God, let it be in the other churches of this city as well. God, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let us be one as you you are one in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.